bless uh, the Lord our God. Uh, you know, I was telling Brother Chad this morning in our prayer time, for those of you that don't know, uh, Chad and I usually meet here about 30 to 45 minutes early uh, to pray. To pray for each of you, to pray over every pew, uh, and to prepare this place uh, for a place of worship. And, and I just want to say thank you, Chad, for, for doing that with me. But as we were uh, talking, um, I had prepared my messages uh, about midweek, and it doesn't often happen to me that God gives me direction to change things up a little bit. And I had originally planned to preach this message tonight. And I had another message that I was going to preach this morning. And along about Friday afternoon or so, um, God impressed upon me to preach this one this morning. So uh, I am, without a shadow of a doubt, know that it's for each and every one of you. And I pray that you're receptive uh, to what God has to say to you this morning. But if you were to ask me, what is the most famous parable that Jesus ever told, I would probably tell you the parable of the prodigal son. It has real meaning in my life, as you know. Uh, I became a child of God, and I went into that faraway country, and I lived my life wastefully and riotously, uh, as this prodigal son did. Uh, you remember the story, the story of the younger son who demanded his inheritance from his father, and his dad gave it to him. He went away into that far country, squandered every cent that he had in wasteful living. Then he came to himself, he went home, and he found his father waiting for him with open arms. Boy, what a blessing. Literature called that parable the world's most perfect short story. And I'm inclined to agree with that because every family can identify with a person like that in some way. But if you were to ask me, what is the most tender parable that Jesus ever told? I'd probably say the parable of the lost sheep. You know, the shepherd went looking for that sheep gone astray. He went through thickets, climbing jagged rocks, and he searched until finally he finds that one that went astray. Then he brings it home, rejoicing. I can identify with that one too, amen? But if you were to ask me, what's the most practical parable that Jesus ever told? What is the parable that applies more to how we live our lives today? The parable that, that teaches us how God acts and reacts with us, how God or how we act and react to God. I think it would have to be this parable that we find in Matthew chapter 25. Now, I know that you've heard it many times, and I'll be going over it in the course of this message, uh, but I want to condense it for you in just a very few sentences. Jesus said that there was a master who was getting ready to take a long journey. And he called all of his or he called some servants together and he distributed his wealth among those servants. He left, then he came back, and when he came back, he called for an accounting of how his wealth had been spent. And those who invested wisely, he rewarded. However, those who did not invest, or that one that did not invest, he condemned. That's the parable. 
And as I said, it's a practical parable. And it's a, a parable is a, a story that, that we can understand that teaches a vital, eternal truth. And this particular parable shows us how God treats us, uh, how He reacts with us, but also a great picture of how we treat His many, many blessings. So let me just begin with scene one. Scene one in the parable of the talent. Scene one, we find that the master entrusts his wealth to the servants. Scene one opens with the master calling his servants together, and he says to them, I'm going to entrust you with my wealth. So he gives five talents to one, two talents to another, and one talent to a third. Now, a talent is any number of things. Money, dollars, abilities, gifts, anything that the master might give his servant. They're all synonyms for the same thing. And so the master distributes his wealth among them, and he says, now while I'm gone, I want you to be stewards of my wealth. He's the master. They are the servants. He owns everything. They got squat. Amen? They depend on him entirely for everything. Then he calls them in and he says, I've been watching you. I've been studying you. And I've concluded that you are faithful stewards. Now, I don't know how many servants this particular master had. Maybe dozens, as was the uh, habit then. But out of all of his servants, he picks three. He picks three to entrust his wealth to. He says, I'm going away, and I'm going to entrust my wealth to you three, and I want you three to take care of it. That's the end of scene one. Instantly, we see the similarities, don't we? Instantly, we realize that this master represents God. God who has everything. Amen? God who is the giver of life. God who is the giver of every breath you take. God who is the author of every beat of your heart. God who gives us healthy bodies to see and to think and to plan and to make good decisions. We, in turn, are the servants. Every single day, we depend on Him. We depend on His blessings just to breathe, just to see, just to think. We are the servants, and God has distributed His wealth among us. He's always looking for faithful servants. And when they are faithful, then God gives them more. When we are faithful with what we've been giving, this parable teaches that he then gives us more. And he's constantly studying us, constantly looking for faithful servants. One part of this, though, strikes me as being very interesting. He didn't give those three servants the same amount. He gives five to one, two to another, and one to the third. That doesn't strike me as being very fair. 
Why didn't he give five to all of them? But we realize this master must really know his servants. He must really know them. So he gives to each one of them according to how verse 15 says, according to his own ability. If he'd only given one talent to the five-talent man, then that would not have been a good use of his abilities. If he'd have given five talents to the one-talent man, well, that one-talent man couldn't have handled it. But because the master knew his servants, he gave to each one what he knew that servant can handle, and then he left. Now, that's just like God, isn't it? That's just how God works. He doesn't coerce us. He doesn't uh, use arm twisting. He doesn't constantly look over our shoulders. No. He gives, and then he leaves it in our hands. He does open doors of opportunity. He may allow us to see, get a little glimpse of of, uh, what might come. But then he waits for us to use what he's given to see if we are going to be faithful. Scene two. The master returns and demands an accounting. The master comes back and the five-talent man comes in and says, Look, master, I've taken the five, invested them, now i got ten. Well done, my good and faithful servant, he says. You have been faithful over a few things. I'm going to give you many. Two-talent man comes in and says, Lord, I have taken the two talents you gave me and I've invested them, and now I come to give you four. Well done, good and faithful servant, he says. You've been faithful over a few things. I'll make you ruler over many. Then the one-talent man comes in saying, Lord, I knew you to be a hard master, reaping what you have not sown. So I wrapped up your talent and I buried it in the ground. Here it is. I give it back to you. No scratches, no mildew. I've even cleaned it up a bit. But... The master wasn't very happy with that. He didn't want his servants to give back the gift exactly as it had been given. And the master called that one talent man a wicked and lazy servant. And in verse 30, he even calls him unprofitable. That means worthless. That means unfaithful. An unfaithful servant. And he threw him into the outer darkness where there is weeping and gnashing of teeth. Well, that's a tough parable, isn't it? That's a tough parable. And the reason that it bothers us, if we're honest with ourselves, is because most of us identify with this one-talent man. Most of us identify with this one-talent man more than we do the five or two. 
That one talent man, just an ordinary guy, just an ordinary man, a lot like us. He just did something that wasn't all that smart. He didn't steal it. He didn't embezzle it. Get this. He just didn't invest it. He just didn't invest it. And when the master came back, that one talent man took his talent, gave it back to the master just the way he'd received it. Get this. Unused. Took that talent, gave it back to the master the same way that he received it, unused. What is this one talent man's problem? Let's concentrate on this one talent man for a minute. Let's look at what this one talent man's problem is. Why in the world did he do what he did? Number one, I wonder if he felt inferior. You know, when I compare myself to other pastors and other, preacher, other preachers, I realize how inferior I am. When you're rubbing shoulders with five talent people and two talent people and you watch them rubbing shoulders with other five talent people and other two talent people and then you look at yourself, you begin to feel a little bit inferior. When you see other people doing things better than you, with a lot less effort than you, and you're just struggling to survive in this world, it's easy to identify yourself as a one-talent person. I've heard of many college students, some of which can uh, not study. I mean, they just go through the motions, and man, they just make straight A's on their tests. And then there's other guys, other ladies, that work their fingers to the bone, studying all night long, and they struggle just to make C's. You see, there was really nothing special about this one-talent person. He didn't stand out in the crowd. He was just an average Joe, just like you and me. And so I believe that he probably felt inferior. But also, secondly, Jesus tells us that this man was afraid. He was afraid. He was afraid because he considered this master to be a hard master. But what that really reveals is, is that he didn't really understand the master at all. He didn't really know the master. You know, God has expectations of us. Amen? He has expectations, no question about that. But friend, God is not hard. He is not hard. He is a gentle and understanding, forgiving and merciful God. This man didn't understand his master. Therefore, he was afraid, and he buried his talent in the backyard. 
So let me ask you a few hypothetical questions. What if the five-talent man took his five talents and he buried them in the yard? What would have happened? Well, I think you know the answer. All five of those talents would have been taken away from him and he would have been considered a wicked and lazy servant. Or what if the one-talent man had taken his one talent, invested it, what would have happened? Well, you probably know the answer to that one too. When the master came back, he would have been given another one. A second talent. And he would have been considered a real and faithful servant. But let me ask you a third hypothetical question. What if that one talent man invested his talent and lost it. It's interesting that that idea is not even suggested here. Why? Because God's Word never commands us to be successful. God's Word doesn't tell us that we have to be successful. I have never found one time in all my studies of God's Word where God says, if you try and you fail, I'm going to condemn you. Not once. Not once. God's Word commands only faithfulness. Only faithfulness. Be faithful and God will provide the increase. Now, when I tell you a true story about a church that had about 20 regular members, about one-fifth the size of Bethel, this church was at best a one-talent church, probably more like a three-quarter talent church. They were like most small churches these days, just struggling to grow. But there was one sparkling difference. This church wasn't afraid. They knew they were average Joes. They knew they were ordinary. But they weren't afraid. So they took their one talent and they invested it for God. But there were some in the congregation who wanted to take that talent, take it out back and bury it in the yard. They didn't want to use it. They wanted to invest. They just wanted to save it. But had they done that, the church would have remained a one-talent church like thousands of other one-talent churches all across the land. But instead, they took that one talent and they invested it, and God gave them two Soon they built their first building. And they moved out of that old rented building they were in. And soon they were twice as big as they were before. Then it was decision time. What do you do with two talents? What do you do with two talents? Do you bury them? Or do you invest them? Well, that was about the time they started their second building. About three times the size of the first one. And get this, 
They started a new congregation. Some of the members volunteered to go help jumpstart this new congregation nearby. And suddenly, they were a four-talent church. What in the world do you do with four talents? Do you bury them? Or do you invest them? Well, decision time was there again, and they gave away, get this, more than one-third of the original congregation to establish two more congregations. By this time, a lot of people were thinking, hey, it's time to bury some talents out in the yard. But God blessed, and the congregations continued to grow, and now it was a eight-talent church. What do you do when God has entrusted you with eight talents? You invested in His kingdom. And soon, nearly half of all the church's offerings were going for missions to share the good news of Jesus Christ. And it wasn't long thereafter that another new church, another new congregation was started, and the church had to build a third building that was larger than the first two put together. You see, I'm convinced that's how God works. That's how God works. Be faithful, investing the talents He's given you, and He will entrust you with more. You bury them, you're going to lose the one He's even given you. You see, you don't lose talents by investing them. You lose talents by burying them. Because when you invest your talents for God, God always, say always, God always honors the investment. Thousands of churches across our land were once eight-talent churches. Do you know that this church, in as little as 20 years ago, had 175 people in Sunday school? Two hundred and fifty plus in the worship time. But what happens to a lot of churches, and I'm not saying that happened here, but what happens in a lot of churches is, is its members begin to bury their talents, and some of these churches just become empty shells. But there are also thousands of Christians who have reached this level of maturity in their Christian faith, and they have become self-satisfied. They've become complacent, lazy, worthless, unprofitable servants. They decided they didn't need to grow anymore. They didn't need to pray anymore. They didn't need to study anymore. And so little by little, they started dying spiritually because they buried their talents. Friend, the principle never changes. 
All the way through the scriptures, Jesus is constantly challenging all of us to invest and reinvest again and again and again into his kingdom. And he will always honor the investment. He will never honor those who are afraid and bury their talent. Friend, God's principles are clear. Jesus said, work while it's day, because the night's coming when you won't be able to work. So roll up your sleeves, get busy, and don't you stop. The message of this parable has not changed. God is still the master. He is still the giver of all good things. And without his generosity, you and I would have nothing. So where do our talents come from? Where do our abilities come from? Where does our money come from? Where does our time come from? Well, they come from God. They are His wealth. It's His wealth. It all belongs to Him. And He tells you, invest what I've given you and just see what will happen. I believe that as a congregation, we are standing at crossroads in our history. As I look out among you all, I look out there and I see talents being buried. All this week, I looked in the mirror and I saw talents being buried. I've seen and continue to see God-given abilities, God-given gifts, God-given money, God-given time that's useless because it's being buried out in the backyard. It's not being invested. So what will you do with that which God has so bountifully showered upon you? After all, we're just ordinary people. Are we afraid? Are we going to run out in the backyard and bury our talents? If we do, we know what the result's going to be. What we have is going to be taken away. Or... Are we going to stand up and realize that God still honors those who have the faith to invest in His kingdom? Maybe 
you've leveled off in your Christian life. Maybe the Word of God just doesn't have the power in your life like it used to. Maybe your prayer life has dwindled. Maybe you're not given sacrificially anymore. Maybe you're not telling anybody about what Jesus has done for you. Maybe you're burying your talent and you're not doing anything for God. Would you be willing to invest it that more might come? Or are you content just to bury it and be useless? The principles have never changed. They're always the same. God waits to see what we're going to do with what He has given us. Today, I want to know. Today, I want to know who's going to be willing to invest their talent into faith in action the week of August the 6th through 10th. Today, I want to know who's willing to invest their talent in Christians in Action, our children's ministry that is less than one month from starting. Today I want to know who's willing to invest their talent into teaching children Sunday school. Today I want to know who's willing to invest their talent into driving the church van. Leading a men's ministry. Becoming a Sunday school superintendent. I believe we've got some buried talent out there that needs to be dug up and used for the glory of God. So what has God entrusted you with? Whatever you do, don't you dare take this coming decision time for granted. Because I'm convinced, friend, that this decision time is for every one of you. For every one of us. I want you to know this morning that the Lord is calling you. What will be your response? Invest or bury? Invest or bury?
Father God, I thank you for the truths you offer us in Scripture that never change. And Father, I know that I have been guilty of burying that which you have entrusted me with. For that, I ask for forgiveness. But Lord, I'm also thankful that that's not the end of the story. Because we all have spiritual shovels, so to speak. We can go out back. We can dig up that talent. And we can put it to work for your glory. Isaiah 43 teaches us that we were created for the glory of God. Period. Lord, help us to invest what you have entrusted us with that we might fulfill your will for our lives, and that is to glorify you. So often we get caught up because we think we're doing all this stuff for us, and it's because we've lost our first love. We've lost the truth in this worldly living. And we failed to see that everything you give us, you intend for us to use to bring you honor and glory. So Lord, I pray that whatever decision needs to be made this morning, that no one take it for granted. But everybody be willing to take a stand today and declare with one voice, I'm digging up that talent and I'm putting it to work for God. Lord, thank you so much for this opportunity to worship with brothers and sisters. Lord, help us to grow, but help us to realize that there will be no growth without investment. Lord, we love you and we praise you for Jesus Christ today. If there is one person who can't even identify with what we've been talking about, because they've never accepted Jesus Christ as their own Savior and Lord. Lord, let them know that today is a perfect day to do that. To know that they can receive the grace of God, forgiveness of sins, and an eternal life in heaven if they'll just place their faith and their trust in the only acceptable sacrifice that was made, and that is your Son, Jesus Christ. And we lift this prayer. In his name. And all the Bethel Church family said.